morning, doctor. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. Well done, sir. And it's been a busy morning for you. So we'll yes. just get right into it, sir. Okay. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Silent Generals, powered by the Flickers of Hope Foundation. Today we have a very important guest. I call him a mentor, a father, and he also has become a friend to our generation. And I have the pleasure of introducing to us Dr. Otive Ibuzo. And um, I would just love him to say a few words in introducing himself to us before we go into the questions we have for him this morning. You can go ahead, sir. Okay, well, uh, my name is Otive Ibuzo. I hail from a, a small community called Urugun in Delta State, uh, in Ugali, non local government area. I studied pharmacy as my first degree in the university, uh, but subsequently did a master's in public administration, another master's in international relations, and then a PhD in public administration. I practiced pharmacy initially for 14 years, and after that I entered into lecturing in a university for three years, and at the same time, working in the development sector. So I've worked in the development sector for the past uh, 22 years. I was country director of ActionAid and the international head of campaigns of ActionAid uh, before I founded uh, the African Center for Leadership Strategy and Development in uh, January 2010, where I met uh, executive director of So it's my pleasure to be part of this program. Uh, I like the title, Silent Generals, you know, because I know that there are many people who uh, make noise and they say, uh, people always say that um, empty barrel make the uh, loudest noise. So the Silent General, I think is a good concept of people who are just doing their best, you know, in society and not making too much noise about it. So it's my pleasure to be there. Thank you very much, sir. So we're so happy to have you on board this morning. So I'm going to go straight into the questions because we have a lot of um, talking points. We'll love you to share your wealth of experience on. So the first question I'll be asking this morning is, is education important? I know the answer will be yes. And I want to ask, sir, how has education shaped and impacted your life? And how has the journey been like for you? Well, for me, education is a leveler. In fact, the place I've attained to be in life, in terms of status, in terms of network, and in terms of wealth, can be attributed over 90% to education. I come from a very humble background. I never say I come from poor background because my mm. parents were rich in ideas, they were rich in integrity. And in any case, I ne there was never a time that I went to bed hungry. So there was food, even though we were living in a mud house and my bed was mold that was molded by the side of the wall with mat on top. And when I wake up every morning, you see mats of mat on my face. So I come from a very humble background. But my mother valued education and struggled to pay our fees. There were times where they would drive us from primary school. Uh, it will not now that uh, primary education is free. 
they will drive us from tuition fee of one pound. And then I will go to farm with my mother until she's able to get the money to pay and I will resume back at school. But immediately, I was able to leave the university in 1986. Automatically, I went into middle class because during internship, I was being paid 402 naira, which is level nine, step three, that a pupil pharmacist is paid. And right from that time, my status in society changed. So education is a leveler. It levels the poor and the rich. And it changes, you know, fortunes of families. Because as a result of my own education, it has impacted across my family. So education is important. It's a leveler. It makes you to have access to opportunities. It makes you to live a better life. Even if you are educated and you do not uh, go for paid employment, it is also very, very important. Thank you so much, sir. I, I love I love the fact that you said education is a leveler and it doesn't just impact the person wow. being educated, it but also the that, family. Uh, so I, when you were answering the, the earlier question, you, yeah. you mentioned that education becomes a leveler. Where the, the 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 poor or a child from a humble background can aspire greatness by reason of education and that it impacts not just the child that is being educated but both the family and the community that that child comes from so I, that wants to lead me to my next question to ask that based on your journey and experiences there are some people that believe that you know formal education you mentioned something earlier that even if you don't go for a paid en employment, education will still give you a, a, a kind of um, platform that makes you excel in whatever you choose to do. But there are many people now, especially in the society where we find ourselves, there are many dropouts that parade themselves as, as though they have made it. And a lot of young people are falling for this scam that education is just a scam. A formal education is just a scam. And you don't actually need education to, to make it. What you need is money. Is this true? And where should be the balance? I think it's very erroneous to think that education is a scam because whatever you do in life, even like I said earlier, even if you don't want to use the degree for work, or you are not able to secure employment with your degree. Whatever you do, whether it's business or uh, handwork, the education that you have had will show up. Many people have an erroneous impression that um, people, you can drop out of school and be successful. Let's be clear. There are a few people who have dropped out of school and they were successful. Very few compared to the large number of dropouts who are suffering. However, if you look at the few who people claim to be dropouts, even if people mention Big Gates, people mention many of the musicians that have dropped out, you will notice one thing about those people who they claim to have dropped out. They have a passion for something. And that thing 
they follow it. They put all their effort in it. For instance, the um, Bigay did not drop out because it was a dollar or because it was drinking or because it was on drugs. It is the passion for computer. And he has followed it, he has developed it, and that is what has made him today. So education is not a scam. Education is a necessity for everyone. And, you know, so people must be able to strike the balance between passion and education. And even if you see all these people who they are bringing as examples, they follow passion. And even many of them go back to school. I don't know how many people will have read more things, how many PhD holders have been read more things than begins today, who people tout as a dropper. So education is not a scam. To say that education is a scam is a scam itself. Education is a necessity. We need it to be able to blow those up in whatever profession or whatever trade or uh, career that you choose. Thank you very much, sir. Um and speaking to that, the world has become very competitive and young people are finding it to cope. There are so many expectations that society, family, friends have of them to achieve success at whatever you, they are doing. How can a young person actually, you know, go for his or her passion, balance it without losing, I still achieve success, without losing themselves in the process? Did you ever struggle with this? How were you able to scale through? Okay. I think the first thing is to have knowledge. And for every young person to know that life is lived in phases. I've all, always categorized life into three phases. The first phase is what I call the learning phase from zero to 25. The second phase is the earning phase from 25, well, 26 to 50. And then the third phase is the turning phase or the enjoyment phase, which is from 51 to 75 plus. In the learning phase from zero Doctor, to- Doctor, did you hear the question, sir? Huh? Okay, go yes, ahead, sir. I, I heard the question clearly. And I'm saying that the, the first thing the young person should be able to know in order to balance family, personal, and societal expectations is to yes, have sir. knowledge. Is to have knowledge that okay. life is lived in phases. Mm. That's the first. That life is lived in phases. In the first phase, the learning phase, you focus is on learning in school or learning a skill. So how you balance it is to know that life is lived in phases. In the first phase, the learning phase, you focus your attention and priority on school and learning a skill. In the second phase, 26 to 50 is when you start a family. And I've always advised people, Start a family as early as you can. Don't look for the millions to do your wedding ceremony. As far as you have seen a partner, do a small ceremony, you know, and then you start a family. 
if you have money later on in life, you can celebrate wedding anniversary in a big way. You shouldn't be changing napkin at 50. So you build your family, you earn, and then from 51 to 75, turning phase, that is the phase of retirement, the phase of enjoyment. And in fact, studies have shown that the age where you have the richest people is between 60 and 70. And that's where people enjoy most. The next level is 70 to 80. And then the, the third level is 50 to 60. So as from 50, you will have settled your life. You will have finished giving birth. By the grace of God, you will have even gotten your house. You shouldn't be paying rent at that level. And then, so how do you balance all this focus? Focus on the proper thing at the proper time. Secondly, be strategic. To be strategic is to focus on things that have impact on your life. To focus on things that will be necessary for you to succeed. To focus your time, energy, and resources on things that contribute to your own well-being. So you must be strategic. Many people are not strategic. They are doing things, they are spending their time, energy, and resources on things that have no impact whatsoever on their lives. And then finally, you must know that this life is step by step. The life is structured in a way that a young person who is strategic, who is focused, who is hardworking, who is diligent, and who does not have bad habits. For instance, a young man who carries a lot of women and girlfriends and sponsor them is bad habit. A young man who goes to club or on drug is bad habit. If you have those bad habits, your life will be up and down. But if you don't have those bad habits, you will know that step by step, as you earn, you save, you invest, your later years will definitely be better than your earlier years. Okay, sir. So we'll move on to the fourth, sir. So some, some many, many young people are tra- threatened with this sense of hopelessness, especially um, at this stage where the country is so many graduates and very little opportunities. They are wondering, where am I going? Who will I become? And what would the future hold? That sense of hopelessness has consumed a lot of people. Did you ever have this feeling? And what should young people do to have the right perspective in life and well, to uh, be able to beat the odds? Unfortunately, uh, I live in a different era with the young people of today. In our own time, I left the university in 1986. The level of unemployment you have today was not available then. And I was not unemployed for one day. The moment I finished university, I started internship. Immediately after youth service, I started job in the private sector. So we live in a, in a different uh, era. So I didn't have those fear of, of job, you know. But like every young person, uh, I had those years of which career, because in my profession of pharmacy, there are different career paths that you can take. So I had that fear. And as you can see from my own life history, I made a complete uh, career change from practice of pharmacy to development sector. So everyone has that fear. Uh, also, every young person will also have the fear of who to marry and also whether they will be successful or not. I had those fears. However, I was able to deal with those fears because 
you know, like I said earlier, if you are hardworking, if you are focused, you are strategic, and you know God, you will know that those fears are just unfounded. And even from the way you frame the question, that uh, there are so many graduates and so little opportunity, you can flip it around. In fact, the level of opportunities for young people today is greater than the level of opportunities in our own time. Our own time was predictable. You get a job, it's predictable. But that is where it ends. If you talk about the level of opportunities. In our own time, I was uh, I studied at the University of Benin. If there is a book that is required for your project, the book may be in University of Ife. You have to travel to University of Ife to be able to access that book for your project. But today, at the click of a button, you have access to millions and millions of materials that you can use for any subject. During our own time, if you have a product to sell, you can your, your, your clientele is limited to the number of people you can reach. But today, you can reach millions of people through the internet. So there are huge opportunities. And if you look at it, startups, young entrepreneurs, I'm making it even more now than during our time. So for a young person is to be able to be knowledgeable, to know the times, to be what the Bible calls sons of Isaka, who understand the times. The mm. times are changing, yet many okay. people are still living in the old stone age. For instance, yeah. During our time, it's very lucrative for you to study medicine, pharmacy, or engineering. I recall that as a pupil, as a young pharmacist, you know, my monthly salary in a private sector was about 1,400, which was two times the salary of a professor at that time. But today, all those privileges and advantages have been eroded because times have moved from the agrarian era to the industrial era to the ICT era, and we are now in entrepreneurial to people era. So what you do today is no longer dependent on what you read, but what you can bring to the table, your value addition, the skills, what you are able to bring to the table. So uh. Clearly, for young people, this is time to be resilient. This is time to be innovative. This is time to move. This is time to understand the context. In fact, we have always said that today we live in what some scholars have called a VUCAD era. V-U-C-A-D. VUCAD. The era of volatility era of uncertainty, era of complexity, era of ambiguity, and era of diversity. And it requires resilience. It requires innovation. It requires you to adapt. It requires agility. So young people, should not be afraid of the future. They should know that if they understand the times and they know the context in which they are operating, they can even live better lives than the past. And, and there's also 
yeah, always an erroneous impression. People think that, you know, previous administrations are better than the present one. That Obasanjo administration was better than Good Luck, and Good Luck administration was, is better than uh, uh, Buhari. And that in good those days, life was better. It's not true. It's not supported by evidence. It's not supported by statistics. We see that the quality of life of people are increasing. Life expectancy is increasing. People access to facilities, access to cars is increasing. There's a question I normally ask people. Think back in 1980, how many people were having cars in your family? And how many people are having cars today? So people must be positive. Don't look only at the negative sides of things. There's a lot of opportunities. And if you are willing to see them, if you can see them, you can seize them. All right, sir. So we'll go to the next question on morality. The, this one is, is, so, is, so, is so important because it looks as if the present generation has thrown morality into the mud. There's a lot of confusion and ambiguity about what is right or what is wrong. How can a young person attain balance and understand, you know, morality the way it should be? What should be the moral values? What should be the moral standard for a young person? Yeah, I thank you very much. I think you are right that uh, morality has uh, decreased tremendously not only in Nigeria, but across the world. And um, in those days, people valued integrity, people valued what was right. So there were a lot of people in the village. I grew up in the village. They were not wealthy, but you will not hold any meeting without them. Because they are people who speak the truth. They are people of integrity. But over the years, you know, uh, wealth, became the standard for measuring everything, for measuring success, for even measuring, you know, the respect that people give to others. Uh, I'm, I've always argued that part of the reason was that the whole of the world neglected spiritual aspects of life, you know, and behavior of human beings are influenced by natural factors, by personal traits, and also by environment. And we have seen that religion has played a lot of role in shaping moral values in society. But at a time, religion itself became corrupted, materialism became the order of the day, and there was no more focus on the spiritual as determining the behavior of people. That is why we are where we are today. But I think that many people have recognized this in the religious sector, certainly in the Christian sector, and certainly in the Pentecostal sector. People have realized that, look, we need to go back to the basics. And uh, so there is, if you like, a, 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 a social ethical revolution occurring across the world today of people advocating that we need to go back to the basics of 
why God created man and the need for morality, the need for ethical conduct. There are even a lot of people who are in the political arena who are advocating for bringing back ethics to politics. And I, I personally, I, I have been influenced by two major things in my own ethical orientation, in my own moral upbringing, and that is Marxism. Marxism. When I was in the university, I joined a Marxist organization which emphasizes the need for sacrifice, for collectivism, for fighting for the poor and downtrodden in society. The second thing that influenced my own approach to morality is Christianity. And Christianity preaches righteousness, holiness, selflessness, and looking at the collective, which is very similar to Marxism. The only difference is faith. And so for me, for the young persons of today, they should believe in something. Because if you don't believe in anything, you will fall for everything. They should have faith. They should believe in a supreme being and follow the tenets of their religion. Apart from the fanatics of any religion that try to misconstrue what religion is, every religion preaches peace, preaches goodness, preaches morality, and preaches you know, a peaceful coexistence. And so the place of religion in society is key in terms of young people understanding what is right and wrong and being able to live lives that will bring honor and glory to God. Yes, sir. So I'm going to move to the next question on social media. Uh, social media has come to stay part of our everyday lives. Um, how can we, you know, just profit from it and not be consumed or addicted as a young person on the negativity that comes along with it? Yes, uh, like you said, um, social media can be a very useful tool. It can also be a distraction. It can be a distraction for young people. There are many people they become addicted to social media. In fact, there are people who are in church and they are on their phone. There are mm. people who are students who are in lectures and they are on their phones, which mm. is a distraction. Social media can be very useful. You can get a lot of information, a lot of news, a lot of research material, and a lot of things that will help you to live life. So for young people, is basically discipline. They must discipline themselves to know that there is time for social media and there is time for other things. You know, there are times when if I'm writing a paper, I just put my phone somewhere. Like now, for this one hour that I'm going to be on this program, my phone is on silent and it's not even, I can't even see it. Yeah, I just turn it upside down and put it away from me. So people must be able to have that confidence and that, I mean, that discipline to make sure that yeah. they use social media for their own benefit and it does not serve as a distraction to them. Mm. Discipline is the word. Thank you very much, sir. 
Um, moving to the next question, and this is this is so important for many young people. You know, um, there's been a flaunting of of the rules um, for for a lot of people because society now celebrates money. The kind of um, society we now live in, there's so much income inequality, and young people are aware of it. You know, oftentimes the rich person or the person that has more money is given the eye seats. And if you don't have enough, you just take the backstage. And there's this fear of financial stability among young people. How, do, how should young people understand money? What should be yeah. their understanding about money? Okay. Uh, I think that it's very clear to everybody that money is very important. Money is important. Money, in fact, the Bible says money is a defense. You know, and everyone needs money. To live a good life, you need money. To, you know, to run your family, you need money. But like you said, uh, young people need to understand money. I think the major challenge is that we were all brought up on a faulty foundation. For many families, they emphasize only one thing in the upbringing of their children, that is education. They encourage their children to take education seriously and, um, you know, and, and, and some inadvertently train their children to focus on stealing as a way of making money because they tell them take your education seriously so that uh, when you finish school, you work in a good place. And when you ask some of them, what is a good place, daddy? Some of them will tell you a good place is a place like custom, a place like police, yeah. a place like, uh, you know, and the impression they give to the children is that working in a good place is a place where in addition to your salary, you will make illegal money. Mm. So people get socialized into thinking that the only way you can make money is through dubiously. Unfortunately, today, you know, when a, lot, a few people were in the civil service, they can engage in corruption and distribute the money. But today, mm. Even if you want to steal, you will go into the ministry, any ministry, department, or agency, even the custom that people were thinking before, it's not easy to steal there again because, you know, society has developed, the way of tracking corruption has improved. And even in some places where the people can steal, only a few people have access to steal. So the first thing for young people is to reorient them. In fact, from the time of training them, in addition to education, we need to train them in character. We need to train them in relationship with God and man. And we need to train them on how to make, manage, and multiply money. And it's very clear. There are young people should understand that there are ways to become rich. In fact, for me, I've looked at this, studied this very carefully. And for me, there are six ways by which people can get rich. They can get rich through inheritance. 
They can get rich through marrying a rich person. They can get rich by becoming a superstar. They can get rich by lottery. And they can get rich through corruptible transactions, uh, smuggling, and stealing. But these five ways I've mentioned, only few people can get rich. Only few people can get money through inheritance. Only few people can marry rich people. In fact, rich people now have decided they are not going to marry poor people. So that's why you see rich people are marrying themselves. Only mm. few people can become superstars. Every year, you cannot produce more than one musical superstar in a country. So only few people can become superstars. Only few people play lottery. And in fact, research shows that people who get lottery after one year, they come back to square one. And only few people mm. can steal money all their life and go through. Many of them will end up in prison. But there is one way which is sure for everyone. It is simple but profound. It is called savings and investments. In countries abroad, it is well known that there is a pattern. Once you start job as a young person, you aim to spend only 70% of your income on you know, bills. 10% as your tight, 10% for savings and investment, and 10% for charity and self-development. Any young person that follows this pattern right from the time of starting work will end up being rich. Because even as small as 600 Naira, if you save and invest 600 Naira at 10%, in 27 years, you have 1 million. But if you save just 5,000 Naira and you invest it at 25%, in 30 years, you have 193 million. So the way life is structured, is such that if you start work, you save and invest. By the time you are retiring in 30 years time, you retire into wealth. But the problem mm. with many young people is that it's basically true. One, they want to just hammer. Instead mm. of following the process gradually of building wealth, little by little. Secondly, they leave, they do things that is opposite to wealth creation. So many young people leave what Robert Kiyosaki calls rat race. Mm. A young man goes for NYC, the salary is, uh, I think it's now 28,000. Yeah? Yes. Now, after NYC, he gets a job of 35,000. He will continue living life as if he's um, NYC. If he's lucky, he gets a job of 150,000. For many of them, even before resuming, they will borrow money to change their wardrobe. Hmm. And immediately after resuming, they will borrow money to rent a better house. They will borrow money to buy a car. So somebody 
who was in huge service, was feeding himself, was not borrowing money from anybody. The moment he's earning 150,000, he's now a perpetual debtor. But if the person just says that, look, I survived in this town with 28,000 Naira as a youth copper. Now I'm earning 150. I'm going to survive for the next one year on 50,000. At the end of the year, he's a millionaire in cash. Uh -huh. If he learns a little thing about investments, then in three years, in five years, the person has left poverty forever. And if I can just focus on the three things of creating wealth, one, businesses, two, landed property, and three, shares and paper money. In a few years' time, you can no longer stop that person in the journey to prosperity. So young people must take the issue of how to make, manage, and multiply money seriously. Once you do that, you have financial stability. I'm speaking from my own personal experience. Like I told you earlier, I come from yes, a sir. background, but through savings and investments today, I'm not a poor person, you know? I have lands, I have houses, I have buildings, and I'm financially stable. Without stealing from anywhere, without engaging in doing government contract, even as a chief of staff to the deputy president of the Senate, I don't do any government contract for a financial stable. Hmm. Thank you very much, sir. So much wisdom you've shared with us on, on, on that particular topic. I pray that young people will find it very useful and they will apply it. Um, lastly, sir, I want to ask, when a young person is going through hardship, finding it difficult to survive, and there are extreme cases of life uncertainties. Should crime ever be an excuse? You know, crime can never be excused. I mean, poverty can never be excused for crime. Mm. Uh, you know, scholars have uh, argued that crime, there are many factors, what they call criminogenic factors responsible for crime, uh, poverty or hardship is mentioned as one of them that drives some people to crime. But we also know that there are many poor people who will never steal. So it's not a total picture. Some people have the inherent nature, you know, and uh, people also steal at times when they know that they will not be caught or the consequences are not great. But generally, poverty, should not be an excuse. It's not a legitimate excuse for crime. And in any case, anybody who commits crime should know that there is possibility of being caught and the consequences are by far greater than any gain that you get from it. Thank you, sir. So in closing, sir, we just wanted to share some life lessons that have helped you thus far with us? Well, many lessons I've learned in life. Many, many lessons. But let me just share um, a few. One is hard work and diligence. Hard work does not kill. So work hard 
Secondly, is to be strategic. You cannot do everything. There's time for everything. There are important things to focus upon. For me, there are many things I don't get myself involved with because they are not important for my life mission and vision. So to be strategic. And then thirdly is the grace of God. No matter what, you depend upon God. God is the Alpha and Omega, is the beginning and the end. He's the one who can make somebody to move from nobody to somebody. So God's grace, and then finally, always strive for excellence. Don't compete with anybody. Compete with your past and with yourself. These have always helped me in my life's journey. I can't thank God enough for his grace and mercy. Thank you so much, sir. It's been a wonderful one hour sharing with you um, on these very important topics because I believe that every young person needs wisdom, needs um, the, the, the wisdom of people that have gone ahead so that you don't think, people don't think uh, they're just an island of their own going through it alone. Other people, Dr. has shared with us his humble beginnings and where he is today is a far cry from where he's coming from. And these are some of the things that he has shared with us that helped him through his journey. And I believe that will also help every young person that is committed to it. It's such a pleasure to have you, Doctor, today. Thank you so much, sir, for your time. Thank and you very much. It's my pleasure, Lara. With us. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.